0: It's time to spring into something delicious with HelloFresh. Every week you get fresh pre-portioned ingredients with recipes delivered to your door. Get 16 free meals plus three free gifts with code MLM16 at hellofresh.com MLM16. Reed Slatkin was one of the greatest Ponzi schemers until Bernie Madoff came along and snatched that crown off his head. He took about $500 million from friends and family, but what makes this case different is that the victims Reed scammed were from the Church of Scientology. Reed was not only trusted within the community, but he was a minister who worked alongside church founder L. Ron Hubbard himself. Today, we're going to take a look at who Reed really was and how he used a church that many consider a cult to his advantage. We'll also get some input from a former Scientologist, so be sure to stick around for that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about Reed Slatkin and his scam within the Scientology community. Unfortunately, these scams, especially within Scientology, are far from uncommon. Only recently, David Gentile was arrested on five charges related to his activities within a $1.8 billion Ponzi scheme, GPB Capital Holdings. He promised what sounded like a reasonable return, 8%, and gained over 17,000 retail investors this way. Yet David and his co defendants used the money on luxury items like sports cars instead. This case goes far deeper than typical greed, though. The Scientology Money Project explains that the seed money he got for GPB came from a Russian crime boss and oligarch, Michael Cherny, who has connections to Putin himself. Cherny currently lives in Israel because Interpol apparently issued a warrant for his arrest for money laundering charges in Spain. And he's suspected to be a high ranking member, if not the boss of the Russian crime family Ismailovskaya crime family. Apologies for that, but he's supposed to be a high ranking member, if not the boss of this big crime family, apparently. So there we go. Cherny has denied this, but has remained an incredibly shady, questionable figure. The point is, this $1.8 billion Scientology Ponzi scheme has some deep roots and alarming crime ties. Interestingly enough, the world of Ponzi schemes and white collar crimes also have deep roots in Scientology. One of these early members who first dipped a toe in these dangerous waters and set the stage for Scientology Ponzi's to come is today's topic, Reed Slatkin. Be aware before we get into the next couple minutes that I'll be briefly mentioning suicide, and I'm just putting that out there right now. So please feel free to skip ahead three to five minutes if you're not in the right headspace to hear that. Reed Slatkin was born on January 22, 1949, and grew up in Detroit. At only 16 years old, Reed's life changed forever when his father committed suicide, and Reed found him in the family garage. Other sources say Reed was actually 14 years old, and Reed himself claims that he embraced the church in 1963, so that adds up. Either way, he was incredibly young. To lose a parent, especially at that age, and to something like suicide is devastating. Reed was in a vulnerable position, but his uncle, who ran a Scientology mission, came to the rescue, as journalist Tony Ortega puts it. Even Reed claimed Scientology offered them great solace, not just in the death of his father, but in other aspects of his life too. He stated, When I was in the eighth grade and I was in the wood shop, I almost severed my fourth finger and I had a cast on it for six or eight weeks. Then I went off and had physical therapy and was told I would never use my finger again. My uncle came to town and administered more of these Scientology processes to help alleviate pain and suffering that comes from experiences or incidents that one goes through like this. And almost miraculously, within a couple of days, I had full use of my hands again. And this was a big moment for me. And at that point I said, well, I don't know how this works, but it works for me. So I decided that I was going to find out about this. Reed became heavily involved with the church as a result and even learned about it under the church's founder, L. Ron Hubbard himself. Since Scientology was founded in the 1950s, the church was still relatively new at this time. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about what Scientology is in this episode because we're most likely gonna do one in the future. I have my whatever's about Scientology, but we'll cover them. The Church of Scientology and Scientologists in general remain extremely controversial for the charges they bring against their members and belief system. Former members have accused them of financial fraud, illegal practice of medicine, harassing journalists, vindictive actions against former members, and much more. It's widely been referred to as a cult, which personally I believe is a fitting term, but make that determination for yourself. That's just my personal opinion. Even in these early years, the church had fierce critics. In 1968, when Reed was about 19, he went to study Scientology in England. Reed later claimed that he was actually attempting to help establish the Sea Organization, which is basically an exclusive club within the Church of Scientology formed to run a number of sea vessels. Their website describes it as a fraternal religious order composed of only the singularly most dedicated Scientologists. The church has denied that Reed was ever a member of the sea. Plus, while Reed may have been in England, he definitely wasn't there for long. According to the Tampa Bay Times, he was kicked out in 1968 when England cracked down on Scientology. At that time, the Minister of Health in the House of Commons called it socially harmful and the founder, Hubbard, was declared an undesirable alien by the British government. But Reed's faith was unwavering. Slatkin pursued Asian languages as a major at the University of Michigan and helped Hubbard form a Scientology club on his campus. Plus, after he and other 130 Scientologists he had been studying with were kicked out of England, they decided to start their own school named Hill College. Reed says that I was one of the people who helped start that in the summer of 1968 and claims that he and the other founders felt like pioneers. Being vilified in the press only made them feel that their cause was all the more important. Aside from his work in Scientology, Slatkin did graduate at Stanford University and the University of California at Berkeley in languages and literature. Four years after graduating in 1975, Slatkin became an ordained minister for the Church of Scientology. And that same year, he married a woman named Mary Jo. The pair of them both volunteered together at the church from 1974 to 1984, and Scientology itself, according to Slatkin, has been the basis of almost everything I've done in my life. They've also had two sons, Justin and Brett. Unfortunately, despite his work with prestigious colleges, money was still tight for the young couple. Around 1979, 1980-ish, Reed met a fellow Scientologist named Robert F. Duggan. Reed described him as a successful professional investor, primarily in the stock market. Duggan taught Reed about investment training and the stock market and how to analyze companies. Duggan himself studied business management, though he never completed a degree. Even so, he invested in a children's embroidery company and made it big and became a serial entrepreneur, ultimately going into the pharmaceutical industry and making billions. He's given millions to Scientology, so for Reed to be one of his earlier students back in the day seemed pretty impressive. After a few years in 1984, Reed seemingly felt confident enough to move away from his ministry and become a professional self-employed investor. He started off by working with those in the church itself and investing their money for them. Slatkin alleges he quote, "'Wasn't ever looking for anybody to make investments for, except people that were associated with the church who came to me.'" These were his friends, his fellow church members, and they trusted Reed. Not only did Reed minister for the church, but he'd been involved with it for most of his life at this point. Unfortunately, it would take years for Reed's friends to learn he wasn't the right person to trust. Reed Slotkin has claimed that he never actually intended to receive money from his friends for his investing in money management. Apparently in 1985, he even had an attorney named Dan Lang write up a form for him that opens as follows. Dear, insert friend name here, you have asked me to do you a favor and invest some of your money as a friend." Slatkin has said that he made it very clear he was just doing them a favor. After all, the only licenses he had were for Scientology counseling licenses that were received through the church. So even if he had learned about investments under Duggan, he had no formal training whatsoever. But whatever his intentions were, just helping out a few friends or something more malicious, they certainly didn't remain innocent. Reed created a separate bank account for his friend's funds in the mid late 80s or so. Essentially, they could just deposit money into it and trust that Reed was going to handle everything for them. His business spread through word of mouth and Reed would receive an honorarium or payment from the church for his activities as he tells it. One of the first people he invested for was an old Scientology friend, Mr. Meyer. Since Duggan had a really good reputation, Meyer trusted Reed as Duggan's apprentice. Reed claims that they did have some success in those early days too, at least when it came to investing in emerging high-tech companies. Myers gave them $10,000 and each month, Reed would give him some sort of statement. Reed built up a small client base and a dozen or so people until around 1986, he stopped working directly under Duggan. By the end of that year, Reed said he had about $8 million of his friend's money in that separate bank account. While he claimed in later SEC interviews to not remember exactly how much was profit, Reed claims it was a substantial amount and that people who trusted him like Myers continued to send him more and more money to invest. He alleged that they even owned some small stock in Apple, which as we can imagine, skyrocketed. Still, Reed insists his friends didn't pay him or give him gifts of any kind. He was just a friend doing a good deed. Ronald Ruckow and Chris Mancuso also invested with him shortly before the pair were involved in a scam of their own. They worked together through this operation called Culture Farms that sold kits for lactic cultures meant to be used in women's cosmetics. Apparently, those involved with Culture Farms also set up related companies to operate what federal authorities allege was a pyramid investment scheme, according to the LA Times. The $35 culture kits brought in a total of $80 million and scammed a total of 27,000 investors. Other people Reed surrounded himself with included people like Richard Levine, a stockbroker at Prudential Bach Securities. Reed told Levine about the amazing 40 to 50% returns he was offering and showed him a computer program that automatically flagged stocks. It was called Baseplate and back in the 80s, it seemed really revolutionary. Reed explained his process for creating the software as such. Over the next two or three years, I spent a lot of time developing more software that would allow us to have more stocks and more signals. And I combined some, what I would call vanilla technical analysis tools, like moving averages, end of day highs and lows, relative strength indexes, and put them on this computer. Nowadays, you can buy this stuff off the shelf for 50 bucks. You know, In those days, it was really unique. Nowadays, you can just pull up a chart on a stock. But back in 1986, you couldn't do that. And we had that. Whatever Slotkin did show Levine, it was enough to impress him and get Levine on board. After a few months in February, 1988, the pair entered into a tentative transaction with John and Amy Joe Gottfercht, according to court documents. They already had a money management company called Statistics Sciences Incorporated. And as per the deal, Slatkin and Levine would acquire a 25% interest. Basically SSI wanted to get their hands on these excellent returns Slatkin was promising everyone and all he needed to do it were documents proving that yes, Reed really was able to give his clients these fantastic returns. But as you can imagine, these returns never really existed in the first place. Here is where we can pinpoint the first concrete, without a doubt, step into criminality. Reed, by his own admission, falsified the documents that SSI needed. They all went into business together based on a lie, and they weren't the only ones. Patrick Gallagher, a commodities trader licensed with the Chicago Board of Trade, agreed to make trades for Reed. And remember that Reed wasn't even licensed to do so after all. However, an argument broke out between them and Gallagher's attorney voiced his concerns about the way Slatkin was doing business. They stated, quote, we are fearful that a comprehensive review of certain trading and account activity may reveal unsavory characteristics of a scabrous nature involving, among other things, irregularities with respect to the exchange rules and conduct, which under closer scrutiny may subject one to prosecution by various government agencies. And that has gotta be the most long-winded way of someone ever saying, I think what you're doing is illegal, but you know, that's the tea. Despite hearing this, Slotkin's reputation grew, like Bernie Madoff, as he promised these fantastic returns. But in actuality, Slotkin's investment skills ranged from unspectacular to dismal, as court documents explained, and one national investment advisory firm described his portfolio as the worst they've ever seen. Nonetheless, Reed Slotkin managed to get hundreds of millions of dollars, $593 million to be exact, from his investors. A select few, about 75 of the eventual 800 investors Reed worked with gained massive profits. Not because Reed actually knew what he was doing, but because he was using his new clients to pay off his old clients. The very definition of a Ponzi scheme. And not only this, but Reed was also able to get lucky too. Reed bought a lot of underperforming real estate. The list of all his properties is available through the court documents that I'll have in my sources. But in essence, he kept buying up estates that just weren't actually going to earn him nearly enough to get back that 24% he kept promising. Even though Reed's skills could be considered dismal, he still managed to make an incredibly wise investment that led him a lot of credibility. And you know what they say, a broken clock is still right twice a day. Now, this came to be in 1994, when another Scientologist and associate named Kevin O'Donnell convinced Slatkin to invest in Earthlink. Kevin knew the founder, Sky Dayton, because Sky went to school with his son. Kevin and Reed became the primary investors, and while it was certainly a gamble, Earthlink was a huge dot-com success. They were direct competitors with AOL at the turn of the millennium, and at one point, they were the largest independent internet service provider in the US. Fortune wrote an article in March, 2000, praising them, explaining that they're conveniently laid out. And now that Earthlink caught up in terms of convenience, AOL's principal advantage was instant messaging and chat rooms. Though the author of this article also complains that AOL is terrible when it comes to junk mail filling up their inbox. Earthlink is actually still around to this day. They provide internet and phone services, though their peak is certainly behind them. At the time though, Reed's initial investment of only $75,000 ballooned into over $100 million. He had arrived, as they say, and rather than use this money to actually give anyone the returns he promised, Reed started living the high life. Reed and his wife got a large estate in Santa Barbara, employed an estate manager, took vacations to Europe and Hawaii. Their social circle grew to include more wealthy and influential people too. But average folks were still investing with him too. And of course, Reed was all too happy to take their money. Apparently, one of Slotkin's friends asked him to be the custodian of their mortgage as her husband was dying of cancer. True Crime Edition states, the experimental treatments he was trying were expensive and had ruined her savings, but Slatkin didn't care. He took her money anyway. To add insult to injury, when Reed took his friend's money to invest it, he would fund his lifestyle and even donate it to charities to back the Church of Scientology itself. This would build up his reputation and make him look good to gain more clients and continue the seemingly never-ending loop. As Reed's celebrity investors and reputation started to grow, the Securities and Exchange Commission started to grow suspicious. How come this famous well-known investor wasn't even registered with them? Why didn't he have a license? The informal investigation began in 1997 while the formal investigation was launched in 1999. About a year after that, during his deposition, Reed assured SEC officials that he was actually in an intense liquidation process. Basically, everyone was going to get their money back. He was retiring and nothing strange was going on behind the scenes. After all, actor Peter Coyote and other well-known investors could vouch for him. Coyote had supposedly invested $393,000 and was given about 1.4 million when he cashed out. Though to be fair, Coyote denies ever making quite this much. Other high profile clients were getting their money back. So perhaps Reed thought he could get the SEC to leave him alone. He even had one of his business associates falsify documents for him so that the SEC could see that he had hundreds of millions of dollars set up in the NAA, which was a bogus Swiss brokerage firm that Slatkin invented. He bought European style letterhead stationery, altered his fax machine so people would think it was a European number and even set up phony European numbers for NAA Financial to dupe clients. Slatkin paid one of those business associates, Daniel Jacobs, about a million dollars and gold coins to help him pass off this non-existent company as legitimate, but it didn't work. Instead, the SEC sued him for fraud, claiming that Reed was acting as an unregistered investment advisor. And in response, Reed filed for bankruptcy shortly afterward on May 1, 2001, and stepped down from his position at Earthlink. The response was swift and loud. Dr. Larry Wheeler, a fellow Scientologist, stated that everybody thought he was a God. Now everyone's in disbelief. He even went so far as to call the church a victim because the people Reed had stolen from were heavy donors, so that money could have gone to the church itself. Tampa Bay Times reported that the church quickly began to distance itself from Slatkin. Their spokesman, Aaron Mason stated, "'This really hasn't had an impact on the church. You can't hold the church accountable for the actions of an individual member. That's outrageous. I wish I knew where all that money went, but it certainly did not go to the Church of Scientology.'" Perhaps not all of the money went to the church, but quite a lot of it did. Critics argue that Reed had been a big donor to them, and there was talk of excommunicating Reed too. In July that year, his investors asked the IRS to drop the bankruptcy claim, stating that it would double penalize those who had been paying capital gains and income taxes on phantom profits for years. Though Slotkin settled with the SEC in terms of being an unregistered advisor, the investigation into his criminal activity was in full swing. A few more months later, come December, bankruptcy courts began ruling that those who profited would need to start paying back their gains. Whether or not the 75 people that Reed gave money to were aware of the scam, their profits were not legitimate. Greta Van Susteren's husband and attorney, John Cole, said that he'd fight this thing for 100 years and most of the money they were returning went to the IRS anyway. This didn't work as she and John agreed they'd return $700,000, 81 cents to the dollar for the profits Slatkin gave them. One man claimed he was going to lose his house and car if he was forced to pay back his profits, but he refused to reveal his name. Coyote, as we mentioned earlier, says he didn't receive nearly the amount that the reports were claiming and that if he had to give it all back, it would wipe out his retirement funds. Others like Air Force One and 13 Days movie producer Bernstein said that he actually believed he lost money on his investments, even though the reports claimed he gained 2.9 million. Bernstein told the LA Times, I wish I'd never met Slatkin. He preyed on good people who were trusting. Now his mess has unfairly become our mess. Some beneficiaries not only refused to pay the money back, but simply fled the country altogether. One of his associates, Anthony Hitchman invested 757,000 and walked away with 4.5 million in return. A month later, Hitchman was in South Africa. A trust was set up to try and ensure that the other 700 plus people, Reed Swindled, were paid back, and the attorney representing the trustees, Pilmer, stated that they intended to ensure Hitchman couldn't just avoid repairing what they owed to the victims by moving halfway across the globe. Even so, Hitchman sure didn't intend to make it easy for them by the sounds of things. And before we continue on to even more of the fallout from the scam, let's just take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors. At the end of what can feel like an endless work day, the last thing I wanna do is cook some dinner. But when the fridge is empty, that urge to order in and skip cooking happens all too often. But thanks to Daily Harvest, I don't have to take that takeout temptation much longer. Daily Harvest helps me keep my freezer fully stocked with options that are delivered right to my door that are delicious, nourishing, and ready in minutes. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest bowls, soups, flatbreads, snacks, smoothies, lattes, and more built on all organic fruits and vegetables. And they have delicious options for every time of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and dessert. I think you guys know I've long been on a smoothie kick from Daily Harvest for way over a year. It's gotta be pushing two years at this point of this addiction to smoothies. And right now I've been rehooked on the pineapple matcha smoothie. It is to die for. And with Daily Harvest, I never have to question if the food is good for me because they create food that's good for my health and the health of the planet. So avoid the takeout temptation and get Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com MLM and get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com MLM for up to $40 off your first box. dailyharvest.com MLM. If you run an e-commerce business, it doesn't matter if it's a larger shop, a smaller shop, whatever, you probably feel it's about time people stop treating e-commerce giants better just because they're bigger. And guess what? You'd be absolutely right. That's why ShipStation gives e-commerce sellers of all sizes access to the same deeply discounted rates that's usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies. So it's really no wonder that ShipStation is trusted by over 100,000 sellers. And ShipStation doesn't just save you money, but it's a good place to start. You'll get deeply discounted shipping rates normally reserved for these huge companies. And it works with over 45 different carriers. So you can easily compare rates and delivery times to quickly find the best option every single time. And ShipStation works with over 300 platforms, including places like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and more to help automate processes like fulfillment and tracking so you can save time managing those orders. And that managing part, I know I just kind of, it's right there at the end, but I'm telling you, do not underestimate that part. It easily sorts everything. So it's easy to tell exactly where every shipment is at every step of the shipping process. It is a lifesaver and it relieves my anxiety so much. So don't let the big guys keep all the good discounts to themselves. Sign up using my promo code MLM for a free 60 day trial today at shipstation.com and start saving with every shipment. That's two whole months of discounted shipping absolutely free. Make sure you go to ShipStation.com, click the little microphone at the top of the page and type in MLM, ShipStation, make ship happen. Thankfully, it wasn't long before Slatkin admitted to what he'd done and pled guilty to fraud, money laundering, and conspiracy. His associates like Jean Genoux were also put under the spotlight for their roles in the scam. She too helped deceive the SEC, assuring them that they were liquidating when she had never returned any funds to investors. Richard McMullen admitted to making false statements under oath to the trustee in Slitkin's bankruptcy, as well as lying to law enforcement officials. But Reed Slatkin, the mastermind of it all, was sentenced to 14 years and ordered to pay more than $240 million in restitution. Judge Margaret Morrow explained that she chose a more severe sentence because, quote, "'The havoc that the defendant has wrecked is immense. "'The loss is immeasurable.'" Reed didn't seem to disagree with her, claiming that he felt overwhelming responsibility for what he'd done, but his lawyers attempted to twist the psychological pressure as a reason for a lesser sentence. This didn't work because feeling really guilty is not a reason to not be convicted. Reed argued that he had acted under duress and diminished capacity because fellow Scientologists were pressuring him to continue paying them profits, but the judge rejected that notion too. In addition, the court found that the Church of Scientology itself had to give back $3.5 million of the money that Slatkin had donated to them from his investors. This was perhaps a step in the right direction, but it wasn't nearly enough for those that had been scammed. John Poitras, a venture capitalist who lost $15 million with Slatkin said, quote, "'If the sentence is 11 years, "'you can wrap a fish in it. "'We're just going to walk away from it "'because it stinks.'" I've definitely never heard this phrase before, but seeing as Reed was released after just about 10 years, I doubt he was too happy about that. While the most vocal of Reed's victims were successful and could recover after losing a few million, others were far worse off. Prosecutors allege that many of the 800 people Reed scammed had to sell their homes, delay, or even come out of retirement and have been unable to pay for medical needs. Gregory Abbott of Aspen said that three and a half months before Reed declared bankruptcy, his father suffering with throat cancer gave Reed $7 million. It was the last investment of his life, Gregory stated. Reed was friends with a lot of us. He preyed on the sick, the dying, the young, the innocent, and the vulnerable. He's like a great white shark. Reed has acknowledged that the whole ordeal was a scam, and he was sentenced, like I said, to 14 years, even though he only stayed for 10. Yet for so many, this ending was unsatisfying. Not everyone got their money back, and there hardly seemed to be a real reason or motive in the first place. Now, this is all the information I was able to compile myself. However, I still had questions. Did the church know? How did Reed Thrive for about 15 years, scamming fellow church members? My researcher, Ali, approached Jeffrey Augustine, the private investigator and author of the blog, The Scientology Money Project, for a brief interview. Not only did Jeffrey speak with her, but so did Karen De La Caria, a former Scientology ranking member who served abroad the infamous Apollo Scientology flagship with L. Ron Hubbard himself. Karen says she was a member of the church for 40 years. Allie asked them a bit about Reed Slatkin and the role of white collar crime within the church, trying to get a better feel for why this was ignored for so long. Although it's possible that greed and the prioritizing of money did play a role in this Ponzi scheme, Jeffrey says that we can't underestimate the power of affinity fraud here. After all, Reed has been with the church for years and the church doesn't just value money, but connections too. Jeffrey says that Reed may have genuinely intended to just earn some money for his friends, but it was when he struck it big with Earthlink that things truly seemed to spiral. He thought he could make lightning strike twice, Jeffrey said, adding that there was a known joke floating around at the time. You wanna know how to make a small fortune? Take a big fortune and invest with Reed Slatkin. Reed may have wanted to help out his Scientology buddies, but he wasn't just a good investor, he just got lucky. But looking good, having money and having connections were all important.
1: In, in Scientology, you have to understand social status is so important. You know, to be around Tom Cruise, John Travolta, Kirstie Alley, you know, the, the money to lead the celebrities, you have to have a lot of money. It's like a country club.
0: Reed, unfortunately, recognized how he could play on these superficial elements of Scientology. When he donated to the church, it kept them quiet.
1: So you have to remember, people were reporting Reed Slack and saying he's a comment. Yeah, Scientologists in the church began reporting as a con man, but because he was donating money to the church, that bought him a lot of forgiveness and air cover. So there's this permissiveness toward white collar criminality in the church. The only crime I've written, the only crime was getting caught in Scientology. And so the church was looking the other way because he was donating large sums of money to the church. And as long as they got their cut, they didn't care who got screwed.
0: Jeffrey adds that there is a document in the church called a knowledge report that would prove this.
1: In the church, there's, what, there's a document called a knowledge report.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: because the church is based on a culture of snitching, like the old Soviet Union, you know, you write up your, your neighbors, friends, family. Mm-hmm. People were writing up about the financial irregularities and they were asking towards the end, they were asking Reed to get paid, and he was putting them off.
0: Karen was able to shed more light on this culture of crime around Scientology and stated that the values they teach are not actually the values they promote. In fact, Scientology has had a series of Ponzi schemes. Slatkin may be one of the more notorious ones, but he's certainly not alone. So then why is Scientology so ripe for these scams? Karen answers that as follows.
1: What's wrong with Scientology is that it absolutely promises you that you will be a, almost a Superman. It promises you
0: higher level everything, higher ethics, higher morality, higher, it's gonna make you more a Mother Teresa, not more a ripoff, off Reed Slatkin, (laughs) you know? And this is where Scientology gets in hot water. They promise the reverse of what comes out of Scientology. That's the thing. It's just, Reed Slatkin is only just one example of several, but he's a big one because he went after
1: big celebrities.
0: Was Reed any different than these other scammers that have no remorse, no pity for what they've done? or just another scammer that thrived in the Scientology community? Jeffrey doesn't think so. If he really had empathy, he would have cut his losses, shut it down and stopped taking money, Jeffrey argues. It's no surprise then that Reed fell down this path when even the founder of the church, Hubbard, was accused of financial fraud and the community around him had so much pressure and value on connections and wealth. Ultimately, Reed passed away when he suffered a massive heart attack shortly after he was released from prison. Reed Slatkin's scams were one of the largest Ponzi schemes in history before Bernie Madoff's scam eclipsed it. There's no real happy ending to this story, so to speak, but I do hope that you learned something new about this anyway. And of course, thank you so much to Jeffrey and Karen for speaking with us and sharing their expertise. And thank you, of course, for tuning in and checking out today's Multi-Level Monday episode. If you'd like to hear more from Karen, make sure to check out her channel, Surviving Scientology, and Jeffrey's blog, Scientology Money Project, to learn a lot more than what I could provide in today's one short episode. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And if you wanna connect with me outside of these episodes, make sure to click the Linktree link. All of my links for social media and other projects I'm involved in are all neatly laid out there. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, and I'll see you very shortly in the next one. Bye.